Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 99 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Yasmin Ahmad Matslani. See, Yasmin is currently the managing director of Neo One Associates, which is a boutique human potential consulting firm based in Kuala Lumpur. The firm specializes in using ontology, design thinking, graphic facilitation, story practice, and accelerated learning as their design and learning methodology. She is one of the company's lead facilitators, coach, and learning strategists. She's a great visualizer and high caliber in mapping learning processes, and is well known in Malaysia for championing accelerated learning, graphic facilitation, and story practice. See Yasmin graduated from NTU Singapore with a master's in technopreneurship and innovation. She is an accomplished accelerated learning master practitioner from the International Association of Accelerated Learning Practitioners in the US. And she lives and plays with the four children in Kuala Lumpur. So on today's podcast, we'll discuss Yasmin's insights on how we can get business to create more social impact. We'll get Yasmin's thoughts and perspective on story practice and the accelerated learning methodology. And we'll hear what Yasmin believes is the best way to tackle complex community issues. So Yasmin, thank you very much for joining us. You are welcome. So to start things off, could you please share a little bit about your background and what led you to a career specializing in ontology, human-centered design and story practice? First of all, thank you for having me uh, for this uh, session. Uh, perhaps I could start with uh, Neo One Associate itself. Uh, New One Associates started in 2010, and it's founded by myself and my co-founder, which is Rosihan Juara. Uh-huh. So what we believe is that in any learning and development, there's a need to embed personal growth or transformational work, not just purely skills and knowledge alone. Mm. Because what we notice is that a lot of skills and knowledge are not lasting, because the missing piece is the motivation and the core essence of being of that person. As such that any skills and knowledge uh, transferred, they will not appreciate it much because they don't really know who they are and how they should show up in this world. Yeah. So that's the start of that. I would like to respond uh, to your question with regards to new one using ontology, uh, human-centered design, or widely known as design thinking and story practice in our work. Um, it all started when I was exposed to the personal growth training based on Werner Earhart's work, uh, which is mainly on critical thinking, transformational models, and application, 
integrity, performance, leadership, and for individual and organization transformation. So ontology, a lot of people mistaken with oncology, which has nothing to do with oncology. <laughs> uh, ontology is simply about how we are being in life and how we show up in life. Um, it's about uh, cultivation, practice in awareness, observing our own being in relation to others and the world. Ontology, based on what we practice in year one, uh, whenever we design our program, uh, is what we do is we look at uh, the three uh, domain, which is the body, the emotional, and the language. And we see it as uh, these three aspects of our stuff as territory of learning. It is how we encompass these three things, how we weave it in our life, so that we can lead to deeper capacity to live in life. So this is a part that in anything that we do, this is the core before we look at the skills and knowledge. So what we have done is that we apply ontological approach seamlessly in all our soft skills training. More often than not, our participants don't know that we are embedding this uh, approach in the design because it's very gentle, it's very subtle, as what I mentioned just now. Uh, because if I were to explain or oh, use this ontology in the design, they will be like, what is that all about? So we mm. don't tell them what ontology is about. We just uh, mentioned that uh, focusing on working on their body, emotion and language whenever we run our workshop. Mm. Uh, that is for the ontological. With regards to human-centered design, um, it was a very interesting journey for us as we did realize that we have applied the framework uh, because it's very intuitive uh, for us because in any of our work, our first approach before we design program for our clients is to engage the client uh, in a deeper conversation to really understand what their issues, challenges before we come up with a solution. Until last three years when we were introduced to human-centered design and me and my partner say, hey, we have been doing this for many years. So uh, it's just for me right now, human-centered design is a framework that we use to coming up with solutions for our client. So with regards to the, in our consulting work, especially in learning and development, it's always given that when we engage the clients, we not just engage the client, we also engage the stakeholder to understand uh, their needs so that we design something that is of impact, not design something by chance. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that uh, the solution will be a holistic and systemic one. And last but not least, I want to talk about the story practice because you asked about the story practice just now. Yeah. So story practice is basically a transformative tool as it is about application of the story. A lot of people used to storytelling, but story practice moves beyond storytelling and focuses on the connection with the theme and the metaphors contained within the story. So it facilitates the movement between the imaginary 
and the real world, what's uh, happening in their life currently. This is to assist clients to find new solutions or strategies and expand their understanding when they look at the situation that they have. Basically, story practice is relatively very new. I just found this two, two years ago and I've applied it and I realized that it adds a lot of new perspective and dimension to the solution that we propose to our clients. So in Malaysia, we are basically known as an organization that uh, uses story practice very extensively, human-centered design. And of course, the other method is assisted learning. But I'll talk more about that uh, with regards to the work that I do later. Yeah, well, it sounds like some really interesting work, Yasmin. So as Managing Director then of Neo1, how are you applying these different processes and methodologies that you're talking about into specific projects. So what sort of projects are you involved in and what outcomes do they really seek to achieve within the communities or organisations that they're working with? Right. So just now I mentioned about the accelerated learning. Most of the work that we do are very much personalised to the client's specific needs. Yep. When I say personalised, it's not the same as customised. Customised is, I give example, uh, for example, you go to a shop, you bought a shirt and then you realize that the length of the shirt not suits your hand. So you go to the tailor, maybe uh, get it trimmed and make it shorter. But the shirt is already hanging on the rack. That is customized. You take it and you just trim it. Mm. But personalized means you need to build from scratch. Meaning there's no solution or there's no framework. You need to invent the, the framework, the process. So this is where accelerated learning is widely used in the way how we design our program because we are required to engage the stakeholders and understand the whole situation. That also includes interviewing the people in the organization, uh, immersing ourselves in the day-to-day -day operation and conducting surveys and focus groups. So that is the pre-work that we do, which is uh, in accelerated learning, uh, that is what we call learner preparation. So in accelerated mm. learning, there's uh, uh, five phases, the learner preparation, the connection phase where how we connect the activity to relate the big why they need to learn certain thing or they need to adapt to certain solution. And then we get them to discover the concept and then get them to play with it and then move to the activation, activation phase. Activation phase is basically when the participant already discovered this is the phase where they apply what they have learned. Mm. And then the last phase, the integration, how would I use this thing that I learned and apply in my organization so that I can perform better or I can make the process uh, better. So the solution uh, with regards to the projects that you mentioned just now, the solutions are very much personalized. And sometimes the solutions, the projects that we got, uh, does not limited to only training or workshop, uh, sometimes involving process improvement, uh, for example, enhance the existing SOP or known as standard operating procedure, and also sometimes looking at the policies and suggesting what would be 
a policy that the organization could consider to enhance the performance. Sometimes we look into uh, the technology, uh, maybe certain pivots that needs to be done to be done at certain processes to make sure everything moves smoothly. So the outcome, as you uh, mentioned just now, is has always been about getting individual in the organization and the go and the organization itself uh, to unleash their potential. So perhaps I can share with you some example of project. Yeah. Uh, like for example, we had a client in Pakistan. Uh, it's a cinema chain. Um, so they are in the process of expansion. So they want to have another 10 more cinemas all over Pakistan. So they already have their SOP, but what they realize is that the SOP can be better because a few things, because there are a lot of new hires, uh, very much young people, uh, young adults that have no working experience. So the way how the SOP that they have now is very much, uh, I would say, boring, not exciting. Yeah. So we call in to see what else can they do to make sure that the SOP is very interesting and also meaningful and also practical so that everyone, when they look at the SOP, they get excited about using it. Mm. So, so we did that work with uh, this company, uh, Cinema Chain in Pakistan. And this is the part where it's not enough that we design the SOP, we need to train the people to adapt to the new change that is happening in the organization. So apart from developing the customer service SOP, we also need to train their managers to adapt to the change. Mm. So we design leadership development program for the managers. And that is one project in Pakistan that we are doing right now. Another example that also interesting that we are currently designing is on developing transfer of technology for a social innovation camp based in Sri Lanka for UNDP. Mm. So, yeah. So, what they are looking at is they want to run their own social innovation camp, but they don't know how to go about it. So we were approached to come up with the design of the social innovation camp and design a facilitators, a toolkit to enable the locals to train the innovation camp in the future. So it's a whole series of engagement with the local facilitators and training and also coaching that is highly personalized to fit with a Sri Lanka's audience. Mm. And the last one that I thought would be interesting for me to share is we were tasked, uh, this is recently concluded program, uh, we were tasked to design impact-driven enterprise accreditation accelerator. I know it's a long word, but <laughs> in short, it's called IDEA accelerator. Yeah. I, impact, D for driven, E for enterprise, A for accreditation. And it is an accelerator program for a government agency. So basically, we train people who have ideas for social innovation, for social enterprise, and they want to learn on how to make the ideas validated and also able to sustain. So it's 
it is a six weeks intensive programs and we have concluded this project last month and all the design we use all the methodology that i have mentioned to you just now human-centered design story practice accelerated learning yeah so that's some example that i have it sounds like a some fascinating projects particularly the the accelerator program and it just sounds like we, we share many passions, Yasmin. So what advice would you give to the budding social entrepreneurs listening who are keen to start a purpose-driven enterprise? Right. Um, for me, before you start anything, the most important thing is about grounding self. What I mean by grounding self is that you have this clarity on the outcome that uh, the entrepreneur wants to see happen. Mm. So if I were to do this, what is actually that I want to see uh, in terms of impact? And why is it important to the community to be able to achieve this? Yeah. That is one, grounding self. Second is the importance of who they need to be to make things happen. How they need to show up as such that they can get things done. Mm. They can enroll the community. And also the last but not least is once they are clear about what outcome that they want to see happen, uh, they are clear about who they need to be to get things done. Third is to identify their current gap within their own enterprise, within the community and the ecosystem of the community before any new intervention or any new solution or any learning and development design uh, to be infused in the organization or to the community. Mm. There's a few really good points there, Yasmin. So working from Kuala Lumpur, how have you seen the design, social innovation, social enterprise sectors transform and change over the last five odd years? And where do you see it heading then? All right. So based on my uh, observation, I will share mostly what I see in Malaysia at the same time what uh, are the social enterprise or social innovation that I encounter. So what I realize is that there are many under the radar social innovation work, mm. but they, they are doing great work, it's just that they are not known and made visible. Uh, for example, in Malaysia, I came across a few that is based on creative and cultural, but only one or two type. But when I get to go to impact-driven based networking, yeah. I get to know more, which mm. I have never heard of. And they are doing great work. That is for Malaysia. Uh, wow. When I say that, I'm just focusing on the creative and cultural social innovation. Um, not not about the in general. In general, there are many services inclined, uh, not so much about product yeah. uh, innovation. But uh, if I were to relate to social innovation sector in different countries that I've came across, for example, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, which the social issues are more challenging, I would say social innovation has a lot of potential because you can't rely on government to solve all the problems, all the social issues that you have in the country. 
for me personally, I, I anticipate a bright future with regards to uh, creative and cultural based social innovation. Mm. And this territory is not much uh, tapped, even though there is, uh, but they are not known. Yeah. Um, yeah, I believe if let's say we have more incubators that are friendly to creative and cultural based social innovation, it will spark more opportunities and possibilities. Um, the other thing that I like is anything to do with creativity, you can't go wrong with that. Mm. It's really, really interesting. It sounds like you've worked in a diverse range of countries in the area. So what countries then from, from places that you've worked or, or the, the networks that you've been exploring, do you believe are really leading the charge when it comes to social innovation? And what are they doing that you think other countries can adopt? All right. I think Indonesia, Philippines, uh, Thailand, Sri Lanka, Pakistan, India, leading the change as a social innovative as they are very diverse in terms of their social issues and they are very organic. Mm. Uh, though some of them don't have a proper learning and development, they do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I thought, wow, without having that proper learning and development, they are creating a lot, a lot of uh, remarkable outcome. So my question would be, what if they are provided with an extensive learning and development uh, program so that they can make it even more uh, more impact, more sustainable. Mm -hmm. um, so what I noticed that this uh, the thing that this country does uh, based on my engagement, having conversation with them is that more and more civil society based organization or NGO uh, shifting gears towards social enterprise mm. uh, to make sure that they are they are able to sustain uh, their mission um, through enterprise yep. and more and more uh, requests on how to do this you know I have social mission um, but a fantastic mission that I'm championing but the grant and the funding is getting scarce so yep. this is what I noticed the emerging needs of learning and development in social enterprise education. Mm, really, really interesting. So are there any particular inspiring projects or initiatives that you've come across recently which you believe are creating some really positive social change? Right. I came across a, an interesting one uh, based in Pakistan. They are basically an NGO that champions uh, their beneficiaries uh, missing families of missing people. Mm. So now I can ask, what is this? You know, so they said that in Pakistan, through war, there are hundred thousand of family where the brothers or the fathers were taken away, and left behind were the women and the kids. Wow! And they don't have uh, income to sustain the family, so there are hundred thousand of them. So what this NGO does is that uh, they identify these families and looking at what are the things that they can do. So then um, they realize that these people come from across Pakistan from different tribes and different tribes have different kind of craft that is very unique to us, people out of Pakistan. Mm. So what they want to do now um, 
is that to have a social enterprise that uh, they would be able to market these crops to the world. So they are working on a business model and how to get initial seed funding to, to work on this. That is one that I came across. I thought that was very unique. Yeah, it sounds great. Because the beneficiaries are families of the missing people. Mm. I never thought of that. Okay, the other one is called Bring Me Home. Uh, it's based in Sri Lanka, led by a transgender. What happened is that a lot of transgender, they face with sexual abuse, a lot of social issues because they were rejected by their families. Yep. So this person set up a home where he provides place for transgender to come and empower them with skills so that they have something that they can do uh, and to pursue their dream. So mm. uh, one of the success story that uh, that he had that he has was a transgender turned out to be a successful uh, run, what, runway model in wow. New York. So I, when I look at the the, the stories was amazing. This is just one example. Of course, uh, he has a few more that uh, he wants to share, but this one is the most outstanding one. <laughs> a couple of really, really interesting projects there. So I'll make sure we share a couple of links through to them in the article, Yasmin. So to finish off then, what books would you recommend to our listeners? Right. I have three books that is very dear to me. Uh, the first one is uh, language and the Pursuit of Happiness mm. uh, by Chalmers Brothers. So this is available on Amazon. Uh, this is uh, related to the ontological work. Yep. How you can use uh, body, emotion and language to transform your life and perform. So the second book is Conscious Business by Fred Kaufman. So I thought anyone regardless whether they are in enter in social enterprise or not, or social innovation or not, you must read this book. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a fantastic book that would transform the way how you see business. Um, last but not least is Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Very popular book. My, yeah, that's also my favorite. So these are the three books that I would recommend. Fantastic. We'll I'll stick links through to those in the article again, Yasmin. But Yasmin, you've shared some really interesting insights today and we're certainly looking forward to seeing you at the Social Enterprise World Forum in Edinburgh in September where you're a speaker. And and thank you very much for your generous insights and we'll look forward to tracking your journey as you move forward. Sure. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.